When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Monthly Pebble Report podcast. Your Rockies minor league show on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Hello and welcome to the monthly Pebble Report podcast. It's the return of the Pebble Report after somewhat of a hiatus. I am Evan Lang, and with me is Kenneth Weber. What's up, Evan? It's uh, it's good to be getting the Pebble Report back up and running. And for all the listeners out there, Justin is around. We just won't tell you where, and you'll never hear from him. But Justin is here too. It's a mystery. It's like where in the world is Carmen San Diego, except with our <laughs> man Jay, except with our man Jay Wick. Uh, yeah, Pebble Report was uh, was a show that I wanted to make sure we brought back with the switch over to the um, the Rocky Mountain Rooftop and Fans First Sports Network uh, podcasting network stuff. It is is such a great show, and and Kenneth and Jay Wick always did such an awesome job, and I, I really wanted to keep that going. It's um, you know, unfortunate that that Jay Wick can't be with us, but Justin is off doing you know, stealing things from archaeological sites and museums all over the world. So unfortunately he can't join us for the most part. Um, maybe at some point he can, he can rejoin us as a guest or anything like that. I would definitely love that. But our overall goal is to just bring back the pebble report. It's sort of a more monthly format and talk to you about the uh, Colorado Rockies pro- pod not podcast. This is the podcast, the Colorado Rockies prospects that um, we think y'all are going to want to hear about. Yep. So even though Justin is off in the world playing Indiana Jones, doesn't mean baseball is not still being played. So it's important. Somebody uh, carries the torch, but yeah, man, it's exciting. And it's a, you know, it's still a a fun system. Um, Obviously when you have Ezekiel Tovar and now Noah Davis and Brenton Doyle, uh, you know, coming up to the major leagues, it's it's thinned out a little bit relative to recent years, but for good reasons. Um, how long those those guys are uh, staying in the lineup consistently in the major leagues is a different conversation. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, it's you're getting to see a little uh, some new names. You're getting to see you know 2022 draft picks getting their first full season taste, and there have been a lot of encouraging signs from that. So. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, when it comes to the Rockies, you look at the farmhands and they're not shy about te- about saying that and saying, well, look at the prospects we have on our hand and, you know, the future's bright. Don't worry. So it's worth at least, uh, you know, digging into how truthful that that statement is. Yeah, and it was it was a big move upward for how the uh, the national baseball media viewed the Rockies farm system over this offseason where we went from generally what was considered 
know, bottom 10, bottom five farm system to, I believe they ranked us at like 14th best farm system in, in baseball with, you know, four prospects in MLB pipelines, top 100. And that's definitely, um, that's definitely nothing to sneeze at there. No, it's, it's, it's trading upwards in the nice room. And the nice part is there's some wiggle room for it to, to grow even larger because the consensus is um, it's very position player heavy, which is not wrong. Um, but if you still have a Zach Bean, Tovar, Montgomery, um, you know, you add on a few guys like Beck and Thompson, but you start having some better luck with pitcher health and development. So a Jaden Hill, a Gabriel Hughes, Jordy Vargas, now it's a top 10 system. Now it's pushing to be a top five system. So there's definitely some wiggle room for it to, to be even more favored, um, by the national media. So the attention is good and there is room for it to go, you know, continue trending upwards. Yeah, it's it's really nice to have that flexibility because you have some guys who who I would consider lesser names, especially in the national media, but even in terms of, you know, Rockies fans who tend to follow the prospects where I feel like they're kind of unsung. I feel like, you know, you have guys like um Victor Juarez and all sorts of really interesting pitchers sort of flying under the radar right now who could end up, you know, climbing up the Rockies top 30 or even ending up somewhere in MLB's top 100 which would be really great to see. And you have these guys who weren't necessarily, um, you know, top 100 prospects or anything like that. You're Noah Davis um, coming in and he's had two really gutsy starts now as a major leaguer starting um, one of the games this weekend against the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I think if he continues to pitch like that, he's going to stay on this uh, in this rotation on this big league roster. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, there's always been big league stuff when it comes to Noah Davis. Um, it's just a matter of how mu- how well can that hold up as a starter multiple times through the lineup. But um, it's been encouraging. It's been honestly more encouraging than a lot of the other pieces outside of Marquez and Freeland. And, you know, Marquez is on and off the IL, so it's going to be needed depth. Um, you know, it's still a bit of a tough spot when it comes to the upper-level pitching because you were hoping that Davis could have a few other names in the conversation for him of being, you know, uh, reliable major leagues uh, starting pitching depth. And so far, it's kind of only been him. But, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of talented arms that um, have either been looked over or people have kind of had a wait-and-see um, for them. That I think, you know, if, if they do come out and shine and the high A Spokane Indians starting rotation in particular um, could be the one that really brings a lot of attention to uh, some of the talent on the pitching side of the, the farm system. So it's going to be encouraging to, to follow throughout the season if, if some of these guys take big strides. Yeah. On the other hand, though, you've got the uh, AAA Albuquerque Isotopes rotation, which is just poop. I hate to say it, it's been a, a hot mess. And we have these these former top prospects who were supposed to be pitching in Albuquerque this year, just snake bitten by the injury bug. You've got Ryan Rawlison, who hasn't pitched consistently in several years at this point. You can say the same about Helcris Olivares. And that really that really hurts in terms of how this organization is doing for high level uh high level pitching. You know, in in double A, in in triple A, and in in double A, things are faring a little bit better right now. As as last year's stock of of low A and high A guys got promoted up to Hartford, but 
but right now for for the Topes, it's it's not been pretty. Hey, you know, Albuquerque still has yet to post a winning record as a Rockies AAA affiliate. And so it's there have been a lot of problems um, when it comes to the AAA level for the Rockies as a whole. Um, it's in better shape is the sad part, because, I mean, it's it, it was even tougher last year when it came to the starting pitching. So um, it's one month. Uh, you hope that there's uh, some corners turned from guys like Kaufman and Chris Well, but um, as of right now, I mean the one uh, the one guy that was was showing consistently, give him a chance to win out of that rotation every five days. Noah Davis is now needed on the major league side, so gonna need some guys to step up. Otherwise, they're gonna just have to outscore their problems again, which has kind of been the template for them for the past five years, and continues to be the template this season where. The uh, we might as well just dive into this now. So at time of recording, your Albuquerque Isotopes are uh, running, I believe, a twelve and thirteen record. The like we said, the starting pitching has been a mess. Um, the bullpen's not been that bad, nope. and the the position players are are keeping these games competitive. That's been a big thing. Um, I think we've had two straight extra inning games at this point against Round Rock over this last series. And they've been putting up a lot of points, but it's it's tough when your rotation isn't really giving the rest of the team a chance to stay in that game. Yeah, and I, you know, when it comes to someone like Peter Lambert, they're they're still putting or keeping the training wheels on. So maybe as he gets stretched out, that helps a little bit because this will ultimately lead to the eventual burnout of the bullpen uh, from getting taxed too hard because their guy can't, you know, their starters can't make it two times through the order. Um, And again, you know, if you get Chris well and Kaufman to start figuring some things out and giving you more competitive outings, there's, there's room for it to get better. Uh, But so far, you know, it's 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 been tough outside of a few starts from Davis. Uh, but as you mentioned, I mean, there uh, someone like Fernando Abad. There have been some really good relief appearances that have helped, uh, you know, keep things together for Albuquerque yeah. to get him around 500. You could say the bullpen's not having Abad time right now. I don't get it. Good. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, it's it's really tough because, like you said, with Peter Lambert, they are being very cautious with him, which I absolutely approve of with with how difficult a time he's had staying on the mound over the last few seasons. Much like we mentioned with Ryan Rawson and Helcris Olivares, Peter Lambert barely pitched over the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been slowly stretching him back out. I think the longest he's gone at this point is three innings. And for that, I really appreciate the cautious approach. But for the rest of the rotation, it's really them needing to try and and put things together because right now, probably the best start we've had over the last week was Antonio Senzatela in a rehab start. I mean, that's not a bad player to to throw up on the hill when you know it's a, a bona fide major league starter. But yeah, I mean, it just it just shines a light on just how thin the Albuquerque rotation is every single season, and so uh, you have some younger names this time. It's not quite the same patchwork of minor league. Uh, free agents that it's it's been in the past but at the end of the day the results haven't been too dissimilar from from what we've seen before so you know this is this is learning the hard way right now for a couple of guys like last year when uh was it zach lee Mm -hmm. was was dylan pretty frequently yep 
Yeah, um, they. It's not, and that's not to say there there aren't still guys the same way. Matt Koch was a, a minor league free agent. Um, uh, Chriswell came over in a trade. He's a little bit younger, but Phillips Valdez, uh, you know, another minor league free agent guy. So Matt Carasidi. Uh, yeah, Logan Allen might end up getting you know some more starts along the way. So it's it's not to say it's not, but that's not uncommon for AAA either. Yeah, you know, these that's are the guys have. That's where you're going to have the most, I think veteran minor league filler in terms of guys who you think you can call up if you need the depth because they've got uh big league experience or guys who you think are going to be able to be good assets to your younger guys on that minor league team and you know some of them aren't aren't that old like logan allen is you know it's funny that we can we can call him a, a minor league veteran but he's only 25 <laughs> No, but I mean, he's he kind of reached that weird point where it's like, okay, we assume you're you you crossed the line and you're now a bona fide major leaguer every day, but then it kind of gets stuck in purgatory where you're no longer a prospect, but you can't quite crack a consistent major league job. And so that's where journeyman starts to come around. And so when you have a couple of different organizations in you know a two, three year span, yeah, yeah that's that that gets you veteran status very quickly, yeah. And for for the isotopes, it it really is more of a focus on on the position players in terms of how they've been hitting. Uh, the isotopes have been hitting really well this year. They they've had a couple games where the offense didn't really show up. Um, notably, in this series against Round Rock, has some of the offense has not been as ideal. Lots of strikeouts this season, um, which I'm not thrilled with um the the isotopes as a team already have 263 strikeouts which is a lot but then they're they're doing okay so like they they've got a team ops of 820 right now and they're hitting plenty of home runs still they're getting plenty of extra bases it really is the the strikeouts i think that have been the major issue for that offense yeah, and I, I think there's a there's a bit of context to it because I mean, first and foremost, there's Michael Tolia, who is a three true outcome guy. So you know that a lot of strikeouts is kind of you know part of the ingredient that you bake when you make that cake. Um, but it's just always been a question of can he do enough drawing walks to offset um, the, those high strikeout numbers. Uh, Bretton Doyle has always kind of had a high K guy, but just everything else he does outside of the strikeouts is enough to compensate um, and make him a very productive hitter. Uh, Nolan Jones is not too dissimilar. Uh, he's kind of in between though, just because he's, he's such a talented hitter that he'll, you know, reach base either with the bat or um, through drawing walks. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple of guys there where that's just who they are. And then there's a couple of other guys like Daniel Montano has been getting a really long look after a, a high rise, um, through the system last year, and he's been riding the struggle bus from the get-go. So this is also a little bit of first taste of AAA for a few guys. Um, and, you know, they're they're punching out at a high frequency, but if they're able to adjust the same way like Atolia or a Doyle did last year in AA, those numbers start coming back to earth a little bit. So it's not overly concerning. You don't love seeing really high strikeout rates, but at the same time, you know, there's there's some context for how it can improve. Yeah, and and for Toglia, so he does. Toglia does lead the team in strikeouts with uh, thirty three at time of recording, 
but he also has the second most walks on the team. So he mm-hmm. is drawing more walks and we've seen him sort of start to put things back together in AAA. And, and all you can do is hope that other guys sort of start to put things together too. Like you said with Daniel Montano, um, this is really his, his first real extended look at this high level of play. He's played 17 games and is not doing fabulously, but you've got to give him time to see if he can put it together because it's only been 17 games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's it, with how much he was able to adjust from high A to double A last year and really hit the ground running with double A, you know, he earned the opportunity to get the look at triple A, but it's getting through those last few stops of the minor leagues are the hardest part. And so that's what turns, you know, guys into minor league veterans. So it's his first taste of triple A action. It's the beginning of a season. Let's just, you know, give him some time. Absolutely. Uh, Then we can move on to the Hartford yard goats. One of two Rockies affiliates with a winning record. The goats are 10 and eight right now. Yeah, and there's, you know, the same way that we talked about uh, starting pitching being a bit of a nightmare scenario for the uh, isotopes. It, that really hasn't been the case. You know, Andrew Cazada has been very solid um, in the rotation. You've gotten some really good starts out of Case Williams. Chris McMahon, you know, had some some time um, trying to get back on track. But after two starts, he kind of is starting to look a little bit more like himself. And then there have also been some terrific performances out of the bullpen. Um, the same way there was in Albuquerque. So pitching is a little bit more of a strength for sure um, for the yard goats where the hitting, I mean, you have some guys that you expect more out of, but the hitting has been fairly uh, underwhelming um, from some of the names that you have for that level. Yeah. Uh, pitching wise, um, like you said, Andrew Cazada is the real standout who stands out to me in terms of guys I'd like to see more from is Nick Garcia, who we got in the Connor Joe trade. Um, he's just not had a great start with the yard goes. So I believe this is his first real uh, dose of double A baseball. Uh, I think he only reached as far as high a Greensboro when he was with Pittsburgh. So I'm, I'm going to give him time to adjust though. I I'd like to see more than a, than a 10 ERA and three starts from him with only nine innings of, of work. But all you can really do is sort of wait and see for him. The the hitting, like you said, is where there's a bit more of an underperformance. Uh, team OPS of just 723 right now. They're not really hitting for a lot of power. They're not getting that many extra base hits. And the strikeouts are definitely not as high as they are in... Um, in AAA Albuquerque, though, you do have some guys who are definitely high strikeout guys. You know, Grant Levine is a high strikeout guy. That's just, you know, who he profiles um, as is a hitter. But I definitely like to see some of these guys performing a little bit better, especially, and we'll talk about them a little bit later, guys like Zach Veen and Warming Bernabel. But then you've got some guys who are doing, doing really, really well, uh, like your Grant Levine and your Hunter Goodman. And uh, Vladimir Restituyo, who... I don't think anyone was expecting this uh, torrid of a performance from him coming out of the gate. Uh, I'm not overly surprised, to be honest. You know, Restitio is somebody that has been a little overshadowed just from some of the outfield talent that's been accumulated in the system over the past couple of years. But he's been a very consistent performer at the, the A-ball levels in the past two years. Uh, to see him t- take to double A 
um, so quickly, I think is, is maybe the, the bit of the surprise. And there's, you know, there's a, a bit of Carreras in there where it's like, okay, he has to do it all with the bat because he uh, is like allergic to walking or something. Um, but, you know, otherwise he's, he's showing that he has the talent to succeed at the upper levels and he's showing it pretty early. So it's encouraging and it's not t- a total surprise given, you know, his track record at the A ball levels the past two years. Yeah, I, I can't say I saw him. Granted, there's not a whole lot of home runs to go around in the Hartford lineup, but I can't say I saw him being one of the top home home run hitters and uh, RBI hitters for the team this early on. No, but I mean, at the same time, there's it's it's a little bit limited on just the power potential in that lineup. You look at Hunter Goodman, and obviously it stands out. He might have the biggest or the best pure raw power in the system. Uh, but Levine, you know, and Romo are not the the high home run guys that maybe envision they they could be Veen especially. And Levine has always been a contact first first baseman profile, um, so it's a bit unorthodox. Uh, Bernabel fits a little bit more into that conversation um, of you know some some pop, but this isn't exactly a lineup that's meant to be having multiple twenty home run guys. Yeah, and it's it's very much. You can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like this year's Hartford lineup to start is very much um, transitionary where I think a decent number of these guys are expected to not be in Hartford for the season. And we're definitely going to see some guys get called up from Spokane uh, at some point to to change around that roster. Uh, I agree for the most part, at least on on how that plan goes. Um, you know, it starts with Zach Veen just because this is him repeating the double A level and you expect him to graduate at some point. Bernabel, uh, you know, Warming Bernabel, uh, I think is someone who could stick around for the entire year. Carreras surely seems like he could fill a hole in triple A, especially since he got some big league camp time in spring training. Um, and then Amador could be the one to fill the shoes. So it's not like they're planning on leaving the cupboard barren but they also have a little bit higher expectations for some of the guys like Goodman, like Veen, maybe um, Romo, depending on, you know, just how his development goes. But yeah, I mean, there's, that's, that's part of, you know, being in the mid tier of the minor leagues is good things don't last forever because they're rising up the ladder. So they're in a decent spot overall, especially, you know, that pitching might have a lot of reinforcements from that high A rotation too. So what they lose, they should be able to gain back. Yeah. And, and there's still, you know, even though I like to say that in, in minor league, the actual results of the games are less important than individual player performances, uh, sort of the opposite of how big leagues go. Like, you yeah. still want to see your team win, and it's great that the Yard Goats have a winning record at this time, but you're much more honed in on how the individual guys are doing. You are. And, you know, I think we can flip it a little bit and we can touch maybe on some of the guys that are um, driving, you know, some worry because it, it really starts in the double A level with Zach Veen, Romo and Bernabel. Uh, you know, Veen right now is hitting 160, 276, 260, one home run, eight walks. He's six for six on stolen bases, which is nice. But, you know, a, an OPS just north of five is you expect a lot more out of Zach Veen, especially in, in repeating double A. Um, Romo's gotten off to a bit of a slow start as well, kind of hanging around that same 520 OPS line. And and Burnable has not really shown that he's taken to uh, to double A well. It's a lot of, you know, a repeat from his uh, 
his Arizona Fall League performance. So just on that hitting core alone, you know, what's the level of concern uh, on some of those bats in double A for you? Veen is tricky because, like you said, he is repeating double A. And we we've talked about this a little bit in our uh, in our writer's room where it sort of feels like it's a combination of one. He had such a killer spring and the expectations are so high that there's there's no doubt that he's probably pressing at least a little bit to try and live up to those expectations. But at the same time, he, he also has always had that weakness on the inside uh, in terms of his hitting and with the higher level of play again in, in double A. And even if he goes up to triple A, that's something that more advanced pitchers are going to be able to exploit. Yeah, but I mean, then the the weird part with him has always been, OK, so you understand that 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 step from high A to double A is one of the biggest jumps for a minor leaguer. But then he goes to the Arizona Fall League and he lights it up. And so, you know, that's that's an elite level of competition that he was kind of facing throughout. Um, so you just it's a bit of a mixed bag. I think, um, you know, I think that just the that first April month, that that time that those conditions are not favorable for hitters in the first place in the Eastern League and the Northwest League is, is notorious for this, especially. Um, but, you know, it's you need to see him kind of turn a corner here at some point. And you're still seeing him trying to figure out how to do that. Um, And so I think this is just an extension of last year. Um, Romo for me, you know, just shifting gears, there was really only a first half of last year. So I think that for him, I give a little bit more benefit of the doubt because they still advanced him to double a after really kind of only being 50% for half a season last year. And he's he's just staying afloat a little bit while handling the pitching staff pretty well. So, um, you know, there's a little bit less concern with Romo, but with Veen, it's okay. You know, when is when is it going to click? Because we've been waiting for that click to happen uh, pretty much ever since he left High A Spokane last year. Yeah, for for Romo, it's like you said, you give him a little bit more leeway. My big thing for Romo is that he's just got to stay healthy this year mm-hmm. more than anything else, even if he. You know, there was an expectation in spring training of, oh, maybe we'll see Veen and Romo by the all-star break or by the end of the year. And, you know, I'm I'm sort of lowering my expectation of where I want to see Romo at the end of this season, where like if he's put it together in Hartford and has maybe gone up to AAA, then that's more than more than okay with me. I just need him to stay healthy and keep working on putting that bat together because the bat was always the thing that needed to continue to develop for him. He was largely considered major league ready defensive wise when he was drafted. So Romo, I'm not worried. I'm not too worried about all we can really do is wait and see, but it, it really is for Veen is more concerning. Like you said, because you, we need to see him start to click. Yeah, I think the the big question for me with Romo was this season will tell whether 2024 is a realistic option and expectation for Romo or if he's on a 2025 path. Um, So there's still plenty of time. I think just with the way that the organization has structured um, themselves and and the way they've postured uh, the direction of their organization, they kind of need Zach Veen to come up this year is a lot of the eggs that they've they've decided to put in the basket. So um, 
Hey, you know, there's there's a lot of pressure being put on Zach Bean right now to 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 join Tovar and be the the face of the next generation of the Rockies and you know, putting that expectation on him being a productive big leaguer before he's even really kind of turned a corner at Double A is probably a little unfair and how much that pressure is, is you know weighing on him or not is pure speculation but um I think there's two very different standards between the players. Yeah. I think that's fair. And then you have uh, Worming Bernabel, who uh, was one of the guys that the Rockies chose to protect from the Rule 5 draft this year. And he was added to the 40-man roster, and he got a spring training invite. But we've really just seen a continuation of how he did in the Arizona Fall League last year, where he struggled in the Arizona Fall League. He did not have a particularly good spring training with the big league camp, and he's not off to a particularly great start here in Hartford. So it's, it's tough because he got a decent amount of time in Spokane last year. He played 26 games, had 108 plate appearances, but not that much. He spent most of the season for 2022 with, with low a Fresno. So he made a, it's a big jump, especially with the limited amount of time that he had in um in Spokane but it's clear that there are at least some expectations for him with his organization considering that they chose to protect him above others from that rule 5 draft i mean he can hit that's that's just one of the things is he's he's one of the more talented pure hitters in the system um the the quality of contact is down um so far to to start uh in double a and just you, you figure he's gonna he's gonna figure it out. He's gonna be getting a little bit better line drive, a little bit more barrels and quality of contact. Um, and then you know, without a, having a ton of evidence behind it, can he find a home defensively? Because it's kind of in the Elleris Montero mold of okay, we're gonna play you at third base until you prove you can't um, definitively. And that's that's kind of the boat that he's been in. It hasn't been overly great or impressive um to start uh in double a this year but it's again you 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 play them there to hope they improve until they show that they just can't handle it anymore um so there's there's a lot of high risk high reward when it comes to burnable um he's shown enough in his track record that the bat should come around a little bit but uh it's Hey, if it's a whole year of struggling at double a that could change a lot of the outlook for for burnable um, you know, in the Rockies' long-term plans. Yeah, and last year he had 20 errors at third base across both Spokane and Fresno. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, he was originally drafted as a second, or not drafted, but signed internationally as a second baseman, correct? Uh, I mean, he got one game uh, in, in rookie <laughs> ball. And so, no, I mean, they it was a pretty quick transition to third base. So, yeah, there was some hope that he could be an up-the-middle guy, but that, that the realization... Uh, dawned on the organization pretty soon, and they moved into the corner. Gotcha. Uh, audio listeners, we're going to take a really quick ad break. Don't go anywhere, and we'll be right back. Move on to talk about the Spokane Indians. All right. Thanks for sticking around with us at, uh, with that ad break. We're going to move on here, talk about the 8-8 uh, Spokane Indians, the High A affiliate. Uh, their opening series against Vancouver was rained out so that they've played a little bit less than some of the other affiliates. But overall, high A is one of the more interesting levels, I think, for the Rockies this year. Just a lot of really 
interesting talent on both sides of the ball. Um, Adele Amador is is finally starting to come back after he spent the beginning of the season uh, with the injury. You've got guys like Sterling Thompson, <clears throat> excuse me, Sterling Thompson, uh, Benny Montgomery, and Braxton Fulford, as well as Yankiel Fernandez. And then pitching, you've got a lot of really interesting guys down there, uh, especially Gabriel Hughes, Jaden Hill, and, and a handful of other names. Um, what are your thoughts so far on how this high A team is composed? Uh, I mean, I think this is a very clear um, grouping of players that the organization is banking a lot of their future on. Um, when it comes to the pitching side in particular, uh, Gabriel Hughes and Jaden Hill are basically two of the three highest regarded starting pitching prospects in the organization. And so that's the, the one, two um, coming out from the get go. And, and Hughes had an unbelievable debut at, at high eight with, uh, you know, that no hitter through five. Um, so Hill, when we talked about Peter Lambert and the kids gloves that uh, they were using, they're doing the same thing with Jaden Hill right now. This is a very, very big health year for Jaden Hill to show that he can basically throw a hundred innings. Um, and they're trying to start him off very, uh, conservatively. So the roster is oozing with talent. Um, you're seeing some of it come to fruition with Hughes and uh, Sterling Thompson, what he's done. Um, and there's there's reason for optimism for more to come from guys like Jordan Beck and um, Jaden Hill. So overall, this is a very good accumulation of talent and probably one of the best representatives of the optimism that you can have for the Rockies uh, farm system as a whole. Yeah, Jordan Beck was one of the guys that we listed as someone to maybe think a little bit about being concerned about. Uh, Jordan Beck currently is hitting 184, 245, 347. He's got uh, two home runs. He's one for one on stolen bases. Um, but he's one of those guys, and we talked about, talked about this a little bit pre-show, who not super worried about in the grand scheme of things, not only because he's been trending upwards over the last week or so, but also because he really didn't actually play that much last year because we drafted him in the 2022 draft. He played 15 games in the Arizona complex league and 11 games with Loy Fresno. And then basically immediately started the season here with high a Spokane. So you got to give him time to put things together because he has, he has the talent. Oh, uh, undoubtedly. And I mean, he was he was a very prominent piece of those Tennessee lineups, um, at those College World Series runs. Um, and the brief time that he did have uh, in organized ball last year, he showed very, very well between the Complex League and a brief uh, stint at Low A Fresno. So um, it made all the sense in the world for him to start in high A Spokane. He hasn't shown anything with an egregious strikeout rate or... Uh, you know, not really being able to find the barrel. I think that there's just kind of a, you know, the, the beginning of the season, we talked about this with the Eastern League, the beginning of the Northwest League season is generally not a favorable climate, especially for hitters. Um, he's got a 50, 59% fly ball rate. He still has, you know, hovering around 20% for a line drive rate. There's a decent quality of contact that he has going on that I think is just not doing great in the environment that he's in right now. Um but he's still, you know, four extra base hits. He's still showing that he has the the pop potential. It's just not quite translating yet. So I I don't have nearly the same level of concern for a slow start from Jordan Beck that maybe you would have for a Zach Veed. Um, I think that they're 
he's he's going to be fine as the season rolls along. Yeah, and then on the on the pitching side of things, we've got uh, Jaden Hill, who, like you said, is being treated a lot more with the with the kids' gloves on on this front. So you know, Jaden Hill, when we drafted him, was was coming off injury and didn't really pitch much last year. Uh, we put him in in high A Spokane, and now it's just sort of waiting for him to to sort of start getting getting warmed up and get things moving. The big thing with Jaden Hill is that he hasn't really been the full starter yet. He's been much more of an opener. He'll work two or three innings and then seed way to Colin Kafka for the next couple of innings um, as they as they stretch him out and sort of be a bit more careful with him. It really is a lot like Peter Lambert in that regard. Yeah, I mean, they're being very conservative, but he's also not doing himself very many favors by running up high pitch counts. And, you know, there's uh, there's a good amount of walks, a good amount of hits surrendered. Um, and, you know, he's been snake bitten with home run balls a little bit um, in two of his three starts. So um, I think there's a part of it that's by design. I also think there's another part of it where it's like, OK, there's a very hard pitch cap or pitch limit that we have you on right now and he's reaching it way too soon so um it's early it's the first two weeks and you understand that this is uh you know if it hits it's a big hit um for this type of prospect but you can't have him derailed by injuries so uh it has to just keep on incrementally improving week by week month by month in terms of the workload that he's able to accumulate this season and it needs to stay healthy throughout the year so very very ground floor right now with Jaden Hill Now, if at the end of the season he is still having this kind of struggles, then you start getting worried. Sure, and but, if he's if he's not even eclipsing fifty innings without shutting down, that's another reason for concern. So, uh, you know, when we talked with Mario during the offseason about it, his level and his performance is a little irrelevant because it just needs to be how much can he pitch? Because uh, yeah. he has very little track record for essentially the past six years of organized baseball between college and, uh, you know, the pro ranks. So uh, it needs to start accumulating. And this is a a big, big year for it to happen. Yeah, those are the, so those are the two guys that are kind of the, are you worried about or are you not worried? But there's a lot of other guys who are, who are really interesting. Uh, First of all, I just want to say, I love that Spokane has two guys named Evan for obvious reasons, Evan Shaver and Evan Justice. But Evan Justice has been really impressive to start the season so far, where in six innings, six appearances, he's only given up three hits, and he struck out 13 batters uh, to only four walks. He's looked really good. And you have some other some other bullpen guys down in, uh, down in high A who, who have looked really solid, including... Um, I got. I I wanted to very briefly touch on was Jake Kostyshock uh, out of Arkansas, who who did not play at all last year. Uh, after we drafted him, was it twenty nineteen or twenty twenty draft for him? But he hasn't really played that much, and now he's finally in high Spokane. He's only pitched four games, mind you, but he's been pretty solid, and so you'd like to see that. Yeah, I mean that's that's the Rockies have taken a bit of a, a weird turn in recent years of being able to start making more out of under the radar or maybe you know uh, some forgotten um, talented arms, and I think Duke and Darnell is is the uh, the face of that. Uh, but yeah, he has been he was a 2019 draft pick to 
to answer the question. Um, he's been impressive in his return back to the mound. Um, and then Justice, as you mentioned, has has been just as lights out. So there's a couple of arms that are making transitions into the system, either getting back on the mound for the first time or moving from the rotation to the bullpen um, with, with encouraging results. And so that's something that I feel like they haven't done as well in recent years. I think they've just been a little bit more fodder when it comes to bullpen guys. Um, it, throughout different levels um, in the past. So it's a little bit more encouraging on the relief pitching development as a whole. And I think uh, Costa Shock is, is a good representation of that. And then, and then with that rotation, uh, I'm fairly pleased with what we've seen, for the ro- seen from the, the rotation. We talked a little bit about Gabriel Hughes and Jaden Hill, um, but my guy in the, uh, in the Spokane rotation has got to be Victor Juarez, who is 19 years old. He'll turn 20 in a couple months. And he has looked really, after a really good season last year in, in low Fresno, got the bump up to Spokane. And he has looked, in my opinion, really good. In 15.2 innings, he's got 16 strikeouts to just four walks. He's only given up one home run uh, and only given up five earned runs. So he's got that ERA of 287 in three starts. And... I feel like people don't really talk enough about, about Victor Juarez. I I wrote about him a little bit last season that I feel like more people should be talking about this super young pitcher who is has been really good. Yeah, no, and, and the age, I think, is the biggest draw to uh, Juarez right away. The fact that he was promoted over the Complex League and went straight to full season ball to start the 2022 season um, was telling of just how advanced he is. And the fact that he's pretty much made a pretty seamless jump between um, low A and high A while being generally three years younger um, than everybody else is is very impressive. Three to four years younger. Um you, I think we, you, the, I think that fans have been burnt a little bit on on young guys exceeding very quickly, and then they're not heard from again. Um, Oliveris is is kind of the poster child for that recently. Um, while he also had a little bit more mega stuff and control issues, so you saw the upside. Whereas Juarez is a lot more of a polished product at a much younger age, so it feels like a safer bet. Uh, but I think there's just some trepidation when it comes to somebody like that because uh, you know it's pitching prospects as a whole. For every five that you have, one of them makes it type of thing. And so that's just the nature of it. But Juarez so far has checked every box as a potential major league uh, piece um, at a very young age. So he's somebody that absolutely deserves um, kind of the the rosy colored glasses um, because of the way he's performed to this point. Who would you say your favorite guy in Haya is right now? I mean, there's the upside of of Hughes and Hill, and that's just nothing to sneeze at. Um, I think somebody that has been a bit surprising after a disappointing 2022 season at Low A was is Brian Castillo. Um, you know, he's he's performed pretty well in two starts. There's still some 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 uh, wrinkles that need to be ironed out. Um, somebody that I think really deserves uh, worth talking about that most people don't bring up, but I know the organization is high on is Gerard Candy. Um, Gerard Candy, there still feels like reliever risk at the end of the day, but he's somebody that can punch some dudes out pretty consistently. So, uh, you know, you hope that Jaden Hill is essentially able to start following the lead of Gerard Candy and start getting that accumulation with that high octane stuff um, that has been shown. And so far what he's done at high A 
um, has been encouraging. So, so Candy is going to be somebody that I feel like you mentioned with with Juarez doesn't get talked about enough, um, but I know for a fact is somebody that the organization uh, you know is is favorable towards. Yeah, I really like uh, Candy's polish, especially in terms of his control. He's got twenty strikeouts to just four walks in fourteen point two innings of work. Uh, he's getting hit much more than uh, Juarez is right now. But it's still fairly earlier in the season, and and I really like what I'm seeing with uh, his pitch placement and his overall control. Yeah, it's again, it's good stuff. I I think that there's developing third and fourth pitches with with Candy, but there's a good foundation for a fastball slider guy. Um, so that's the reliever risk of it. But there's there's a potential major leaguer that you still see with him, and that's been the story for him the whole time. So whether or not it holds up as a starter. Uh, remains to be seen, but it's it's still showing on the track of a major league pitcher to this point. Definitely. And then the last guy that we've definitely got to talk about while we're on the subject of high A is Sterling Thompson, who has just really been lighting the world on fire in terms of his performance in high A, where uh, much like Jordan Beck, he didn't play a ton last year after the draft, 15 games in the Arizona Complex League and 11 games in Fresno. He he looked good last year and has just been really good so far to start the season. Where he's got this, um, he's he ran that crazy long hit streak. He has he's just been good. He's he's hitting home runs. He's he's doing everything you want him to. And I was really really happy with the pick when we first took him, thirty first overall in last year's draft, and. I am am really happy to see how he is kicking off the, uh, his season. Yeah, I mean he's, he's going out there with a thirteen hundred OPS, so <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, no, it's it's such a uh, refined approach and pitch recognition, um, while also th- showing some extra base hit potential. We talked about uh, you know the hitting environment not always being favorable for somebody like Beck. That hasn't shown at all for Thompson. Thompson has just been. Uh, insane aside from the elements. Um, you know, he, he also is controlling the strike zone uh, to a pretty insane clip. He's got six walks to just five strikeouts. Great back control, great pitch recognition, um, high extra base hit potential in the bat. Everything that you would hope for for a hitting prospect is what Thompson has shown to this point. So I, I think it's very easy to say he has been the most impressive hitter in the Rocky system to start the season. Um, and then, you know, the only thing that came with with uh, Thompson was what's the home defensively. And I think the issue is forced a little bit with just how much outfield depth there is in high Spokane. He's been fine at third base. It's not the same level of concern that you would have for somebody like a warming burnable. Um, so there's some versatility, which is one thing that obviously the, the Rockies um, organization kind of salivates over is somebody that can move around to multiple positions. So um, it's been third base primarily, but you, you know, if he needs to move over to the corner outfield spots at some point, he'll be able to do it. But first and foremost, the hit tool is the most important and by God is his showing to start. Yeah. He's one of those guys where even though it's so early, you can, you can look at him and go, I think that might be a big leader right there. Yeah, and the the draft pedigree in the first place already put him on that track. But the fact that you could look at him and say he could be in Double A by midseason pretty safely if he you know continues this. Now we're talking about him joining Romo and Veen in that twenty twenty four class um, to go with Doyle and Tovar, and that's not something you could safely say. I think some people maybe had that about Beck um, heading into this year. 
but hey, if if you're able to include somebody like Thompson, just another guy that you have a lot of optimism for and hopes for to join the new core, that's what the Rockies need. Definitely meteoric. That would be a meteoric ascension of being drafted in 2022, starting an ACL, and potentially ending the the 2023 season in Double A. Yeah, uh, it's not overly unheard of, but I, that could just show just how advanced of a hitter he is. So it's a it's a scorching hot start. I don't expect him to carry a 240 WRC plus for six <laughs> months. But, you know, if he shows that he's not being challenged by the A-ball levels and maybe he has like a Daniel Montano conversion into double A, yeah, then you start talking, okay, this could be a 2024 guy. Which would be great to see. But overall, I think... And it's, it's a bummer because Spokane is the hardest team to actually watch. They have the fewest um, televised games, games that you can watch on uh, MLB TV and stuff like that because they're, uh, they're a fun team right now. And there's so many interesting guys on that team. And it's, it's kind of a shame of how little you actually get to see of these players if you're not going there in person. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Spokane does a, a good job. And I know that surrounding area from um, that western Idaho, there's, there's a large expanse of Spokane where there's a lot of uh, favorable fans. Um, the visibility has gotten a little bit better for minor league baseball as a whole, but it's still not not great. Um, so this is maybe some some more eyes will get on them as they go up to double A. Um, one other guy that I just want to I want to hit on real quick while we're talking about high Spokane. Braxton Fulford has been, you know, easily the best catcher uh, for the organization to start the season. He got Northwest Player of the Week uh, League honors, I think, the first week of the season. But overall, for a guy similar to Romo, where he was viewed as a solid defensive first catcher, let's see if he can hit. Uh, he's got a 381, 451, 667 slash line uh, in his first month of the season at a new level at high A. Also showing a little bit more power than you would expect with three home runs and six total extra base hits. So um, for a position that the Rockies have punted on notoriously throughout their history, uh, if you have Fulford, if you have Drew Romo, if you have maybe a guy like Cody Huff can, can follow in Fulford's uh, footsteps, there's a little bit more depth to the catching situation um, as the years have gone on. And uh, Fulford is, is a big hit and a big part of that conversation. Yeah, for sure. And and we saw a little bit of his power potential last year in, in Fresno where he had 15 home runs, but in 2021 with the Arizona complex league and uh, last year with the Arizona fall league, he didn't have uh, any home runs. He had very few extra bases uh, extra base hits. He only had four doubles in 2021 and two in 2022 with the Arizona Fall League and was not much of a power guy in college outside of his uh, senior year where he hit 14 home runs. He had never hit more than four in any of his previous seasons. But he, he de- I would definitely agree he's the best catcher in the organization in the month of April where, and we'll we'll do our players of the month here in a little bit, but and, and this is another one where you know you can't expect him to keep having a 1.166 OPS forever. But mm-hmm. if he can at least stay consistent, then that really says a lot for the improving catching depth in this organization. Because, like you said, that's that's always been kind of a an issue, and it it still is an issue in in AAA. Yeah. Um. But the lower you get, the more 
the more catchers you you have. And unfortunately, it's like in AAA, William McIver got hurt to start the season. Nobody really expected that. He was expected to be the primary catcher. In in AA, you've got Romo, who are waiting to really put it together. And, but in Spokane, you've got Braxton Fulford, who's just been really, really good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a pleasant surprise, um, especially for somebody that, you know, can stick behind the plate. So um, that's just that's one of those where if there's something more um, with the bat and somebody we'll talk about here in a moment with low A Fresno is Ryan Ritter. And it's the same concept where, OK, you feel good about them defensively. But if they're also able to show that they're a better hitter than than maybe what you expected when you got them and you got them at a lower draft position because there were such big question marks around the bat. Well, that makes a huge difference in the world if they start hitting like, you know, a supplemental round pick versus a fourth round, fifth round, sixth, seventh, eighth round pick, um, which is where they would slide to. So it's it's one of those things where you talk about depth in the system. You have to be able to start hitting on lower level picks and the Rockies were absent from that field for a very long time. But maybe somebody like Ritter, like uh, Fulford starts changing that narrative. Definitely. And and speaking of Ritter, we might as well just roll right along into uh, Loy Fresno, the other team in the Rockies minor league system with a winning record here. They are 11 and eight currently to kick off the minor league season. And we might as well just start talking about Ryan Ritter, who sort of struggled for the first first part of the season. Then this last week and week before has really, really been picking up where he went hitless for the first few games. And then all of a sudden he's found this really solid, really solid swing uh, where all of a sudden he's got five home runs. And you know, Ritter was not particularly a, a power hitter in college or anything like that, but rather was another one of those defense first prospects that were drafted. Yeah, the glove was by far um, the the calling card for him. But then he showed up and he hit very well in the the complex league um, in his pro debut last year. So you're like, okay, well, maybe there is something there. Uh, He goes hitless in uh, his first three games, um, and then he immediately goes on to a 12-game hitting streak. And he's hit safely in 13 of his 14 in that span, too. He had three home runs in four games, uh, four in six games. So... The power potential might be something that is definitely unexpected, but just the hit tool as a whole, um, if there's a little bit more pop in that bat, if there's a little bit more consistency in that bat, then you start feeling like instead of this being a possible utility infielder, maybe this is a major league starter type of guy. Um, it's very early on to to be saying that, but hey, you know, if he shows that the A ball levels are not much of a challenge um, over the course of the 2023 season, there might be a lot more on the Rockies' hands than maybe people originally expected when they drafted Ritter as just kind of a, a polished glove um, out of Kentucky. Definitely. And it's it's nice to see see Ritter really having that success at the plate um, because I view, Fre- I view Fresno right now as having... It's tough to tell because it's so early on, but they don't have really the same level of excitement to me in terms of their hitters as Spokane and Albuquerque and stuff like that, they, they have some interesting guys, but then you have some, some repeats from last year, like EJ Andrews jr. And, um, and Robbie Martin jr. Um, Yankee Fernandez started down there just to sort of get uh, a tune up for his promotion to Spokane. 
but are there any other you know hitters position players down in in Fresno that are someone you were really keeping an eye on? Um, I think Jesus Bugarin, or um, I'm not quite sure how to say his last name. Um, I think it's Bugarin, um, is is a talented international draft pick um, or an international signing that um, could click. Uh, it's a bit of a slow start right now. Um, and I think the same applies to Bryant Betancourt. Betancourt is a little bit more in the mold of Hunter Goodman. And let's see if he can actually stick a catcher or not. Um, but I think that's somebody, those are two bats that could break out along the way. And then there's just a few um, 2022 draft picks that, um, the organization might be a little bit higher on um, and see more upside on in uh, Skyler Messinger and uh, Parker Kelly. Um, we'll see. Um, I know that's somebody that they, they kind of went out of their way to, to show that they had a favor towards. Um, but it's, you know, after 2020, there was kind of a log jam on the amount of talent moving from um, the rookie ball ranks, which no longer existed to, um, the full season ranks and also having to do it in a new format and after a year off. So I think a lot of people as a whole were spoiled by just the amount of talent that was coming in over the last two leagues. And now there's a bit of a course correction where it's starting to slow down a little bit more. Um, and, you know, this Fresno team is, is no different, but that doesn't mean there's not talent. You can see Ritter, you can see Bugerin, you can see um, Betancourt kind of being a core for that offense this year. It's just maybe not quite on the same ceiling as like an Adele Amador and an and a Ezekiel Tovar, which is what you saw the last two years. Yeah. And, and guys like Cody Huff as well. Um, really what it is for me is in Fresno is the pitching right now. Um, a lot of, of really interesting and talented young arms. Uh, Blake Adams uh, in the, in the Fresno rotation has been, crazy good uh posting a 1.06 era over three starts in 17 innings uh zero home runs allowed 20 strikeouts to just two walks he's got a whip of just 0.824 i'm really really pleased with how he's doing uh, you have guys like uh jordy vargas in that rotation um and caleb franson's also looked pretty solid as well as michael prosecchi so I'm really happy with with some of these guys that we have in that rotation, and then in the in the bullpen, you've got plenty of interesting names as well. You've got uh, Braxton Hyde, you've got Carlos Torres, you've got Zach Agnos. So, so for me, when I'm watching Fresno, it's the pitching that I'm really, really looking at. Yeah, and I think this is also indicative of of kind of how the low A level is as a whole. Um, there's a bit of a you know a talent gap um, compared to what low A used to be pre pandemic. So. Uh, Blake Adams is one that really stands out because he's had some just very dominant performances down there already. He should be going up to high A very quickly if this continues. So, um, and you know, that's a bit of a, a, a diamond in the rough because this was a 13th round selection um, in the 2022 draft. So, uh, Hey, you know that he's, he's crashed onto the scene in a very loud way. So let's see what he continues doing because it's been great so far. Yeah, there's a there's a couple later round guys. You have like the two of the guys who are having really strong outings in the bullpen right now. Braxton Hyde and Zach Agnos were both tenth uh, rounder later. Agnos was tenth round, and Hyde was I think fourteenth round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's just 
It's the low A level, so it's the ground floor. Um, let's see how advanced it, or how it performs against higher level competition. Um, but it's it's encouraging when you start seeing success very early on from some guys that that slipped in the draft. So, um, you know, but again, I don't think anybody's been more impressive than Adams to this point. He's been great. Um, we're going to take another really quick ad break here. Hang tight, don't go anywhere, and then we will move right along and start talking about our April team. All righty. So real quickly before we uh, we touch on the April team, there's just two guys that we uh, probably should have touched on when we were talking about AAA Albuquerque on the uh, concern meter and that is uh, Carl Kaufman and Jeff Criswell, uh, both out of Albuquerque's rotation right now. And the big thing for, I think, both of them is that they are, are really underperforming to start the season. Uh, Carl Kaufman had an interesting year last year where he he looked like he had been starting to turn things around um, towards the end of the season with the way that the Rockies have done his development. Of They basically put him directly in A. He struggled in his first season in A, um, and then in his second season, he made the adjustments, turned it around, was promoted to AAA, and then struggled in his first season in AAA. And with Kaufman, I think he he has the talent. He's a really good pitcher. He's a guy that I've been high on. But this year, he is still struggling with uh, giving up hits, giving up walks. He has 12 walks to his 14 strikeouts. He leads the team and hits given up by more than 10 with 38. Uh, it's been, it's been a tough start to the season for him. Yeah. He expected more out of Kaufman to this point, just because I mean, the, the start to uh, his triple a career last year was very rocky in terms of the amount of uh, walks that he was surrendering. And this, you know, so far this year, he's just not missing bats. Um, the the Pacific Coast League is notoriously not favorable to pitchers, so you understand the numbers are never going to be overly pretty. Uh, but just the you know the way he's been hit around um, has been tough, and you know he's only got 14 strikeouts to 12 walks, while 38 hits surrendered in uh, 28 and a third innings. It's it's been tough. Um, it's been tough sledding. And then this just, again, this goes back to the Noah Davis Davis conversation of uh, who else do you have to help out because man, you're going to need starters along the way. And it's good that Sensatella is coming back. But if anybody else goes down, I, you know, Davis and Chriswell were, were viewed as more prospect guys to give their first major league chance to. And so far they're not showing that, uh, that they're anywhere close yet. Yeah. And, and with Kaufman, you can, you can still give him some time. He's one of those guys where I, I've had some, in some discussions with people, they're like, well, why don't we just send him back down to double A so he can, he can sort of readjust, but he needs to figure out something at this highest level of minor league baseball before we can consider having him be considered depth for the big league roster or making his big league debut. My hope going into the season was that he, you know, makes the adjustments and goes into um, this season with AAA with the goal of being called up by the end of the season, potentially. And he he, re- he really needs to figure out, because he had a solid spring with the big league club, but he's just getting hit around so much in 
in AAA. And it's the same with Jeff Criswell, where we traded for Jeff Criswell. Um, Chad Smith went over to the athletics organization in exchange for Criswell. And Criswell has a whip of 2.7. Yeah, he's been torched. He's he's just been absolutely torched, and he's somebody yeah. that's looking like he's just overmatched um, at the AAA level. Um, he had an okay, uh, you know, debut out of the bullpen, but you know his his three starts since he can't even get through the first time through the order uh, without being just roughed up pretty hard. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people were optimistic on on the type of profile that Chriswell has. Um, I was. Yeah, and it's just it hasn't <laughs> translated yet. That's not to say that it, it can't, but it definitely has not translated yet. So I think a lot of uh, momentum that that Chriswell had coming into the season has hit the brakes pretty hard so far. Yeah, he's one of those guys where I, I don't know if you would, I might consider maybe swapping him back down to Double A for a little bit to see if he can make some adjustments and find a little bit better of of a groove because he is really just getting slammed. He's only pitched 13.1 innings, given up 26 hits, 23 earned runs, 10 walks, and just 14 strikeouts. And he's given up seven home runs. He he leads the entire um the entire isotopes pitching staff and home runs allowed. He's just really, really struggling, I think, with this uh, increase in the level of competition in addition to the PCL just being a difficult place for pitchers it's just got that double whammy of um, of really hurting him right now yeah I mean in so he, he has uh, three games started I believe uh, five appearances overall in the second inning of his game started he's thrown two and two-thirds innings with uh, 13 hits and 12 runs, two home runs, five walks to four strikeouts in just the second inning alone. He's not he's not able to really show that he can make it through the order safely, much less face it a second time. Um, so it's you know, it's it's not a long track record of success um, at the higher levels to this point. So it was probably aggressive to, to put him right into triple A. He thought the skill set would you know give a little bit more production to this point. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was a tough, tough debut so far for Chris. Well, yeah. And, and I definitely hope he turns it around, but it's just one of those things where because of, because of that, the Rockies have such limited starting pitching depth where if anybody else goes down before Sensatela can make his, uh, make his return to the big league roster, what's Eagle begging for Jose Arrani to come back? No. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that that bridge was was burned, and if it wasn't, we're going to find a way to do it. Um, yeah, no, it's just hey, it's the story of the Rockies pitching depth. Um, and so, uh, don't overlook the fact that Davis is somebody who's who's looking accomplished, and you know maybe Seabold is able to come in or Ty Block is able to give you some reliable veteran innings. But again, it was it really seemed earmarked that uh, Carl Kaufman and Jeff Criswell would be some guys that could probably step in and and put their you know names in the hat uh for for some big league innings when they're needed they don't they haven't earned it so far yeah and then last thing i'll touch on for triple a is just hoping that uh gavin hollowell is able to make his way back eventually he's been on the injured list since pretty much the beginning of the season uh which is a real bummer after uh, a fairly promising very late season call up last year and looking pretty good during spring training when he did pitch for for Hollowell to be shut down with that arm injury um 
really hope he's able to recover from that and come on back because I was I was very happy with him uh, last season in the spring. Yeah, and it, it's somebody that uh, they've obviously uh, viewed as a potential um, bullpen, major league bullpen piece this year. Um, so, but while Hollowell has been absent, Blair, Blair Calvo has stepped up and, and yeah. Looked, like yeah, like a major league reliever so far. So, um, silver lining, I guess, in that situation. But yeah, if there's any long-term arm injuries with uh, with Hollowell, that's the, the last thing you want to hear. So that's the worry. Definitely. Um. That pretty much covers all the all the individual levels of Rockies affiliates, which means it's time to go ahead and look at our all March and April team for uh, for the Rockies minor league affiliates. And so, how this is going to go is we're going to go back and forth. We're going to pick out a player for each position and a couple pitchers and name our all April team for April. <laughs> yep, the, the sort of the... talked myself into a circle there. Nope, the all pebble report team. So starting off on catcher, we we hit on it earlier, but uh, Braxton Fulford, um, easily the best catcher um, in the system. Uh, that you know, again, that one nearly one point two OPS uh, has been solid, um, and he's just been very impressive with the bat. So Braxton Fulford, definitely the uh, the pebble report catcher for the first month of the season. Yeah, um, definitely no arguments there for. First base, um, I would say there are really three candidates. There's Grant Levine, Michael Tolia, and Zach Kokoska. Um, I'm probably going to go with Grant Levine at this point. Uh, Grant Levine currently uh, is hitting uh, 318, 328, 561 with AA Hartford. He's got three home runs. He's got 13 RBI, uh, nine strikeouts, which is not great, but it's it's not too bad um, considering – uh, compared to his one walk, and he's got six stolen bases right now. So, continuing of being speed and contact, I'm really happy with how Levine has been uh, this season so far. Yeah, yeah, Levine took a big step forward last year, um, and is is definitely looked more like a major leaguer. And just for context, dude, this is based off of um, which position players played the most at over the course of the month. So you can definitely make a case for Hunter Goodman, maybe being the the first baseman, but he's been featured most in left field this uh, to um, first month of the season. So. We're just sticking to the rules, and that's why Levine is, is our first baseman. But uh, shifting over to second base, um, it's got to be Coco Montez. He earned Player of the Week honors um, with with Triple A Albuquerque um, during April, and he's just been great. I mean, this is somebody that really is showing that he deserves a spot with the Major League team at some point this year. Uh, four home runs, seven doubles, two triples in uh, 24 games, so just a hair under 100 at-bats. And he's putting up a 965 OPS, a 327 average, while being all reliable as a middle infielder. So Coco Montez, you know, for all the frustration we might have about the bench players for the major league team, man, a lot of people are are looking at Coco Montez and saying that doesn't look too shabby right now. Um, And that's based off his performance so far with the isotopes. Yeah, and Coco was one of those guys who I wanted to make the big league roster coming out of spring training. He had a solid spring. He was good in Albuquerque last year. We knew that he had this kind of ability, and I'm hoping he makes his way to the big league roster fairly soon. Uh, For third base, because we're basing it off of where primarily um, folks are playing at, 
it's going to be Sterling Thompson. Like what we talked about earlier, he has really just been on an absolute tear to start the season, despite playing in the cold and soggy Pacific Northwest. Um, he's got the power. He's got the contact. He's doing pretty much everything right while playing a solid third base. Though we'll give the honorable mention to um, Nolan Jones, who has also been really, really good to start the season. Um, Jones already has eight home runs. He has has made a lot of really good contact while um, shuffling between right field, left field, third base, and uh, center field for the first time with the isotopes. And then also Aaron Schunk has been very good at third base. But yeah. you got to give it to Sterling Thompson uh, with the just absolute on-fire start that he's had. Yeah, poor Nolan Jones goes out there and has the most home runs in the farm <laughs> system and is clearly, you know, showing that he's hitting like Babe Ruth down there and it's still not good enough. Um, that's how good Sterling Thompson has been. Uh, for the shortstop position, um, just the performance that Ryan Ritter has had up to this point, especially after those first three hitless games, um, has stood out. Uh, a 942 OPS, uh, a 550 slugging percentage for for a glove for a shortstop in low A Fresno. Um, he's put himself on the map, although Julio Carreras did have a, a really strong start, really started picking up um, his momentum before hand injury, um, put him on the shelf for a little bit. So Carreras is definitely an honorable mention, but got to go Ryan, uh, Ryan Ritter. Definitely agree with that, especially with his recent tear where all of a sudden he's got five home runs um, and, and, and the very good glove at shortstop for, for left field for me. Um, it's going to be Hunter Goodman with double Hartford He's hitting uh, 265, 367, 588 with five home runs to start the season and seven doubles, 15 RBI. He's drawing a really good number of walks with 10 compared to his 19 strikeouts. Uh, really happy with Hunter Goodman. Like we discussed about him earlier, he's not necessarily going to be um, always like he's, he's also a catcher. He's also a corner infielder, but he's really starting to profile more as that outfield depth right now. And he has done really well in left field for double A. Yeah, it's always bat first with Goodman, but the more versatility he can have defensively, the better. Um, the next outfielder, um, and I think it's the, a true center fielder the same way. Somebody we haven't talked about yet is Betty Montgomery. Um, after some injuries last year, there was a little bit of, okay, uh, he needs, we need to, to see it here eventually. But he was still, you know, basically a 35% better than average player at low A Fresno. And he's picked up and he's been a 40% better player than average at uh, high A Spokane. To, to start his season. So um, power, speed, borderline five-tool package is is what you dream of with Benny Montgomery, and he's showing it to, to kick off the year with high Spokane. Yeah, the power's not quite there yet for him, but you can definitely tell that it's going to start coming out more eventually. Still five extra base hits of his 20, so it's not, not clearing the wall necessarily, but once you get those legs moving, he's got that Dexter Fowler around the bases, long stride, and so um, it's it's there. It's just a little bit uh, not quite physically mature yet. Yeah, uh, and then shout-out center fielders, um, both in AAA, Jimmy Heron and Brenton Doyle. Doyle obviously just got called up to the show after – a really, really strong start in AAA. And uh, Jimmy Heron has been a really pleasant surprise for me. I've always liked Jimmy Heron as a player, but he's definitely been uh, better this season. And then also, uh, we talked about him a little bit earlier, Vladimir Restituyo down in AA Hartford. But for right field, we really only have the one candidate, and that's going to be Yankiel Fernandez with high A Spokane. Uh, hitting 259, 281, 407. He has one home run and five doubles. 
um, with eight RBI. He doesn't have as big of a resume at high A yet because he started the season in, in low A just sort of get a tune-up and get ready to go for the season. But in an organization right now that I would say doesn't have a ton of right field depth, Yankee Fernandez has been good. Yeah, and we'll see how like Jordan Beck advances as the season goes along. But um, somebody, you know, with the stockpiling of outfielders that the organization has done in recent years, uh, a lot of people look at uh, Yankee Fernandez as having some of the best pure um, power skills of anybody in the organization. So um, definitely somebody we got to be watching on the pitching side. Um, you know, I, nobody has performed better than Andrew Cazada. Uh, for for double a hartford he's got a one two era and four games started um limited the opposition to 13 hits and 15 innings so um you know some quick innings along the way uh 14 strikeouts to six walks it's been a very very sturdy performance for kazada who i believe had the most wins in the organization of any affiliate last year so pick it up where he left off this year uh, for one of my starters, we talked about him earlier. You've, of course, got to go with Blake Adams and Loe Fresno. That one point, that 1.06 ERA in three starts where he has just looked absolutely dominant in some of those starts. Yeah, it's it's been impressive. Um, I want to shift gears here a little bit on um, the, the bullpen side. There's a lot of really good performances from the bullpen, but one that is is very curious to me is Mitchell Kilkenny with Double A Hartford. Um, this was somebody that was a starter up to this point in his career, and they look like they're converting him to the bullpen full time, and the results have been good. Um, four games out of the pen, .93 ERA, so just one run in nine and two thirds innings. Um, you know, it's it's not an overwhelming profile, um, but I think it's somebody that they're shifting gears on a little bit and it's been a successful transition. So that's somebody I'm going to be keeping an eye on is how Kilkenny advances as a reliever moving forward. Definitely. And for me, for relievers, it's got to be Evan Justice, who didn't really pitch in 2022 due to injury and has come out of the gate here looking really good for high A Spokane. Um, he's just racking up the strikeouts, not really giving up a lot of contact, not giving up walks, just strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. Yeah, no, it's, it's been impressive. And like we, like we said, there have been a lot of really good uh, performances from, from relievers uh, across the system. So pitching at least on the bullpen side is in a really good state right now for the Rockies. Definitely. Um, any other honorable mentions from uh, the rotations of the bullpens that you want to bring up before we head on out of here? Uh, keep an eye on Blair Calvo, um, just for people who haven't paid enough attention or you know seen him um, quite so much because he hasn't been a big league piece yet. He's starting to really seem like he's next in line. And then uh, our dude Dugan Darnell, uh, you know he's he's doing it again in Double A. So a couple of names to just let's let's keep an eye on them, see how they perform as the season goes along. How can you not love Dugan Darnell? And then. Uh, my two guys who I'd say to keep an eye on are Zach Agnos, who was uh, a two-way player in college and uh, has been, been converted solely to bullpen pitcher for the Rockies organization, has looked very solid so far. And then, of course, as we talked about earlier, is Victor Suarez, who's been just so good out of that high-A Spokane rotation. Yep. Lots of, uh, lots of things to look forward to with this, uh, with this minor league season, for sure. Definitely. Well, we want to thank you for coming and joining us on our first monthly Pebble Report of the 2023 season. We're going to try and have one of these for you um, at the end slash beginning of every month. So keep an eye out for that. And Kenneth, where can the folks find you at? 
You can find me at uh, Purple Row on the website um, every Monday. <clears throat> excuse me, every Monday have my rock piles coming out and the Pebble Report. And then you can uh, find me on Twitter at KDub1988. Excellent. You can find me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang27. I'd love to hear from you. You can also hit us up on the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Twitter account, which is at Rocky Mountain Rooftop. That's R O C K Y M T N Rooftop. And then you can also find me uh, on Purple Row doing the Thursday rock piles. Um, always try and get out some good stuff there for you. But yeah, once again, thanks for thanks for coming and joining us on the monthly Pebble Report podcast. We will we will see you next week or next Farewell. month. Farewell. Oh.